Hi guys, so welcome to another um, well live stream tonight after last night's, uh, last night's live stream. So actually tonight we're going to do the autumn statement. I've got it on my uh, on the side here. So we're just going to follow it live stream. Um, I've done this before over the last couple of years, which has been quite interesting. So we'll um, we'll see how that turns out. Um, but basically, yeah, look, well, I'm just going to give my opinion on stuff, um, and yeah, just see how we come out. So hopefully, it all turns out good and wonderful. I doubt that's going to be the case. I think I, I'm in two minds of this. I'm just going to shut these guys up, the BBC that are speaking right now. So we're just going to be following along with the BBC. Um, they've obviously gone there. They've arrived now, so that's quite good. Um, so what I'll do is I'll chuck me so you can watch on the website as well. Bit of um, fun and games. So, yeah, so what am I expecting today? Look, I think everybody is talking about how we've got this 52 or 54 or whatever it is, 56 billion pound gap. How are we going to get that sorted? I've got two, the two issues with this is I have, we did austerity um, for about 10 years. It didn't work. It totally screwed every aspect of society. It ruined society. And my challenge with that is, is that we're talking about going back into that now because those fund, that funding gap has to either be done through borrowings or it has to be done through higher taxes or less government spending. And the problem is, I think adding tax at a time now when inflation is so bad, you know, that really is going to be damaging. And certainly as a politician, you don't want to stand up to um, the, you know, the vote next time. So I think that's going to be a real issue now. Um, and, and it's one that I think we're going to really start to see um, take its toll on um, people and, and really for the, the conservatives. They've got a big job ahead of them um, because really they're going to have to take its toll and whatever they do, you know, so they're going to have to. So I'm just checking it to make sure the live stream's on uh, my YouTube channel, which it is, and also on our website at um, gladfish.com forward slash dashboard. Um, so it's all coming through now, which is good. Um, but yeah, I, I think the issue really is, is what are they going to do? And I think it's all great to talk about it right now. I think, you know, the rich have got to pay more. They're saying, you know, the poor, well, you know, most people, middle class, poor, you know, even, um, in fact, most people don't necessarily have these huge wads of cash sitting around. You know, I've seen how rents have gone up and it's it's, it's actually pretty distressing seeing, um, you know, the rents go up so much that you got to go and sit there and you say, well, actually, the landlord's now losing money every month. So they have to get that rental increase. And the only way they can get that rental increase is by increasing the rent, which means that that tenant now might have to pay 10 or 15% more because it's gone up so quickly. And if they don't have the money to do that, well, they're going to have to move, you know, and that's unfortunate. You know, that goes against everything. And that so this is a really insidious time right now with the inflation and with interest rates and with even things like the rental reform bill and all those sort of things for this. You know, it's, it's extremely hard. Now, see, they're just going across. So what I'll do is I'll I'll turn on the um, the speaker. Of unprecedented global headwinds. I'll just give one out. Pensioners, businesses, teachers, nurses, and many others are worried yes, about the future. Agree with that. So today, we deliver a plan to tackle the cost of living crisis and rebuild our economy. I don't. Our priorities are stability, growth, and public services. I think lots, of, lots of words. We also protect the, the vulnerable. Because to be British is to be compassionate, and this is a compassionate. Really bunch of idiots. We are not alone in facing um, these problems. 
but today we respond to, to an international crisis with British values. We are honest about the challenges Honestly. and we are fair in our solutions. Yes, yeah. we take difficult decisions to tackle inflation and keep mortgage rates down. When it doesn't apply. But our Man. plan also yeah. leads to a shallower downturn, lower energy oh, yeah. bills, well, higher growth, we'll see. and a stronger NHS and education system. Three priorities then today. Here we go. Stability, growth, and public services. I start with stability. Mr Speaker, high inflation is the enemy of stability. It means higher mortgage rates, more expensive food and fuel bills, businesses failing and unemployment rising. It erodes savings, causes industrial unrest and cuts funding for public services. It hurts the poorest the most and eats away at the trust upon which a strong society is built. The Office for Budget Responsibility confirms global factors are the primary cause of current inflation. Most countries are still dealing with the fallout from a once-in-a-century pandemic. The furlough scheme, the vaccine rollout and the response of the NHS did our country proud. But they uh, all have to be paid for. The lasting that. impact on supply chains has made goods yeah. more expensive and fuelled inflation, and this has been made worsened by a made-in-Russia energy crisis. Made in Russia, of course. Russia's fault. Putin's war in Ukraine yeah, has caused wholesale gas and electricity prices to well, rise to eight times the war, their historic is, average. Is, you know, inflation is high here. Yeah. but higher in Germany, the Netherlands, oh, and Italy. Go. Worse off. Interest well, rates have risen here, but faster in the US, Canada Being and New Zealand. Growth forecasts have fallen here, but fallen further in Germany. The International Monetary Fund expects one-third of the world's economy to be in recession this year or next. And so I think the Bank of England, which has done an outstanding think, job since its independence, now has my wholehearted support in its mission to down, defeat inflation. And I date today confirm we will not change its Guys, limits. you got any questions? Yeah. Type into the um, thing. They should come through to me and monetary policy and to work together. Okay. And that means the government and the bank working in lockstep. Okay. It means in particular giving the world confidence in our ability to pay our debts. British families make sacrifices every day to live within their means, and so too must their government, because the United Kingdom will always pay its How way. Much I understand, will they I understand the motivation of my predecessor's mini-budget, and he was correct. He was correct to identify growth as a priority. You know, but unfunded tax like cuts are as are risky as unfunded spending, which is why I mean, we reversed the plan. How often are they actually spending time as a result, sitting down with the constituents, finding out what they fallen, want? Most of these guys aren't really getting involved. And the OBR says today that, that, that the lower interest like rates generated lot, by the government's you know, actions are already benefiting our economy is governed by the wealthy billionaire class. But, Mr Speaker, credibility cannot be taken for granted. And yesterday's Sounds pretty bad. I just don't so have that continue a relentless fight to bring it down, including a rock-solid commitment.
to rebuild This is all the preamble now, which is just Richard Hughes big and his words. team at the OBR um, today lay out starkly the impact of global headwinds on the UK economy, and I'm enormously grateful to him and his team for their thorough work. The OBR forecasts the UK's inflation rate to be 9.1% this year and 7.4% next year. So 9.1% this They year confirm that our down, actions today help inflation to fall sharply from the middle of next year. Middle of next year inflation. They also judge that okay. the UK, like other countries, is Which now in recession. Which I kind of agree with that Overall too. this year, I the economy is still forecast to grow by 4.2%. GDP then falls in 2023 by 1.4% before rising by 1.3%, 2.6% and 2.7% in the following three years. Okay. The OBR says higher energy prices explain We're the majority one year of the downward of revision downturn. in cumulative okay. growth. So no, glow, no depression. They also uh, expect a rise in unemployment be. from I mean, 3 really had a year today of to 4.9% in 2024 and we'll probably have before nation. falling to 4.1%. Today's decisions mean that over the next five years, borrowing is more than halved. This year, we're forecast to borrow 7.1% of GDP, or £177 billion. Pounds. Next year, 5.5% of GDP, or £140 billion. Pounds. Then by 2027-28, it falls to 2.4% of GDP. So you go into a recession, and they're cutting spending. As a result, underlying is, debt as no, a percentage a of GDP because you want to stimulate starts to fall from a peak of 97.6% in, in 2025 to This is real deflationary territory. I also confirm two new fiscal rules. Got to really stay the first on. is that underlying debt must fall as a percentage of GDP by the fifth year of a rolling five-year period. Yeah. The second, that public sector borrowing over the same period must be below 3% of GDP. Gotcha. And the plan I'm announcing today meets both rules. Today's statement do delivers a consolidation of £55 billion pounds and means inflation and interest rates end up significantly lower. We achieve this, Mr Speaker, in a balanced way. A balance. In the yeah. short term, as growth slows and unemployment rises, yeah. we will use fiscal Next policy year, that to is support the, the economy. Price. The OBR confirm that because of our plans, the recession is shallower and inflation is reduced. Unemployment is also lower, with about 70,000 jobs saved as a result of our decisions today. Then, once growth returns, we increase the pace of consolidation to get debt falling. This further reduces the pressure on the bank to raise interest rates, because as Conservatives, we do not leave our debt to the next spending. generation. Not about both. So, Mr Speaker, this is a balanced path to stability, tackling inflation to reduce the cost of living and protect pensioner savings while supporting the economy on a path to growth. But it means taking difficult decisions. Anyone who says there are easy answers is not being straight with the British people. Some, some, argue, some argue for spending cuts, but that would not be compatible with high-quality public services. Others say savings should be found not by high increasing taxes. Now, Conservatives know that high tax economies damage enterprise and erode freedom. We want low taxes and sound money, 
that Conservatives know sound money has to come first because inflation eats away at the pound in people's pockets even more insidiously than taxes. So with just under half of the £55 billion consolidation coming from tax and just over half from spending, this is a balanced plan for stability. So there's about 27 I turn first tax, to our decisions on tax. I have tried to be fair by following two broad principles. Firstly, we ask those with more to contribute more. Yep. And secondly, we avoid the tax rises that damage growth. Although my decisions today do lead to a substantial tax increase, we have not raised headline rates of taxation, and tax as a percentage of GDP will increase by just 1% over the next five years. I start with personal taxes. Asking more from those who have more means that the first difficult decision I take on tax is to reduce the threshold at which the 45p rate becomes payable from £150,000 to £125,140. Those earning £150,000 or more will pay just over £1,200 more in tax every year. So that's We're also taking difficult decisions on tax-free allowances. Okay. I'm maintaining at current levels the income tax personal allowance, higher rate threshold, main national insurance thresholds and the inheritance tax thresholds for a further two years, taking us to April 2028. Okay. So Even after that, huh? we'll still have the most generous set of tax-free allowances of any G7 country. So that increase for property investors... I'm also reforming allowances on unearned income. Tax. The dividend That's allowance will be cut from £2,000 to £1,000 next year and then to £500 from April 24. The annual exempt amount for capital gains tax will be cut from £12,300 to £6,000 next year and then £3,000 from April 24. So These changes still leave us with more generous allowances than countries so like that means Germany, tax-free allowance and Canada. Dropping. You're going to pay more tax because the OBR forecast half of all new vehicles will be electric by 2025. To make our motoring tax system fairer, I've decided that from then, electric vehicles will no longer be exempt from vehicle excise duty. Company car tax rates will remain lower for electric vehicles. And I've listened to industry so bodies and limit rate increases to one percentage point a year for three years right in 2025. So yes. The OBR expects housing activity to slow over the next two years. Yeah. So the stamp duty cuts announced in the mini-budget will remain in place, but only until the 31st of March 2025. After that, I will sunset the measure, creating an incentive to support the housing market and the jobs associated okay. with it. That's good I news for us. Transaction during the you period the economy in the house prices. I really need to stimulate, taxes. build more. That's one of the key things here. While I've decided to freeze the employer's next threshold until April 2028, we will retain the employment allowance at its new higher level of £5,000. This means 40% of all businesses will pay no NICs at all. The VAT threshold is already more than twice as high as the EU and OECD averages, I will maintain it at that level until March 26. My right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, successfully negotiated a landmark international tax deal to make sure multinational corporations, including big tech companies, pay the right tax in the countries they operate. I will implement these reforms, making sure the UK gets a fair they share. Actually do. Yeah.
Alongside further measures to tackle tax avoidance and evasion, this will raise an additional £2.8 billion by 2007-28. I have also heard concerning reports of abuse and fraud in R&D tax relief for SMEs. So I've decided today to cut the deduction so rate for the SME scheme to 86 percent and the credit rate to 10 percent, but increase the, the rate of the separate R&D expenditure the credit from 13 percent to 20 percent. Despite raising yeah, revenue, the OBR has confirmed that these measures have no detrimental impact on the level of R&D investment in the economy. Ahead of the next budget, we'll work with industry to understand what further support R&D so SMEs may yeah. require. Look, if you're selling your properties, capital gains taxes. taxes, you're going to pay more. I um, have no objection to windfall taxes if, if they are genuinely about windfall profits caused by unexpected increases in energy prices. But, but, I know the Honourable Members Officer are getting excited at the talk of windfall taxes. Can I just say? that any such tax should be temporary, not deter investment, and recognise the cyclical nature of energy businesses. So, taking account of this, I've decided that from January 1 until March 28, we will increase the energy profit level from 25 to 35 per cent. The structure of our energy market also creates windfall profits for low-carbon electricity generation, so from January the 1st, we've decided to introduce a new temporary 45% levy on electricity generators. Together, these measures raise £14 billion. Pounds the next problem year. with that is that that's not going finally, into Finally, I turn to business off. rates. It's an important principle that bills should accurately reflect market values. Yeah. So we'll proceed with the revaluation of business properties from April 23. But I will soften the blow on businesses with a nearly £14 billion tax cut over the next five years. Nearly two-thirds of properties will not pay a penny more next year, and thousands of pubs, restaurants That's and small high-street shops will benefit. This will include a new government-funded transitional relief scheme, as called for by the CBI, the British Retail Consortium, the Federation of Small Businesses and so others, far, benefiting not around 700,000 businesses. Mr Speaker, our plan for the cost of living delivers lower inflation, lower mortgage rates, a shallower downturn and lower unemployment. Not sure but it also yet. involves public spending discipline. Yeah. So I turn next to how we protect public services through a challenging period. Mm, be interesting. The Prime Minister's vision for this country has at its heart a strong NHS and world-class education. We know yeah. that a strong economy depends on strong money. public services, so we will protect them as much as we can as we deliver our plan for stability and growth. Not a being. We do have to take difficult decisions on public finances. Well, they're talking about public So we're going to grow now, public spending, not, not but we're going to grow it more profit. slowly than the really, growth it's in the economy. Boring time, actually. For the remaining two years of the spending review, we'll protect the increases in departmental budgets we've already set out in cash terms, and then grow resource spending at 1% a year in real terms in the three years that follow. Although departments will have to make efficiencies to deal with inflationary pressures in the next two years, this decision means overall spending in public services will continue to rise in real terms for the next five years.
before I turn, before I turn to our plan for schools and the NHS, I start with two other areas of spending. Interesting. This is... The Department for Work and Pensions has a critical role in supporting people into work, and I am proud to live in a country with one of the most comprehensive safety nets anywhere in the world. Yeah. But I am also concerned that we have seen a sharp increase in economically inactive working-age adults of around 630,000 people since the start of the pandemic. Yep. Employment levels have yet to return to pre-pandemic levels, which is bad for businesses who cannot fill vacancies, Maybe bad for people missing out on the opportunity to do well for themselves no. and their families. No. So the Prime Minister has asked the Work and Pensions Secretary to do a thorough review of issues holding back workforce participation to conclude early in the new year. Alongside this, I am also committed to helping people already in work to raise their incomes, progress in work, and become financially independent. I think so. We now will ask over 600,000 more people on universal credit to meet with a work coach so that they can get the support they need to increase their hours or earnings. I also decided to move back the managed transition of people from employment and support allowance to universal credit to 2028, and we'll invest an extra £280 million in DWP to crack down on benefit fraud and error over the next two years. The government's review of the state pension age will also be published in early 2023. Our security and, and when we come out of a recession, depends look, on our security yeah, overseas. So, so I turn next to news. defense and other international commitments. The privilege of being this country's foreign secretary showed me firsthand the enormous respect in which this country is held, because the United Kingdom is and has always been a force for good in the world. Yeah. Nothing that, sums yeah. that up more than the courage of our armed forces, men and women who risk their lives every day in defence of our territory and our belief in freedom. Alongside them, I salute the citizens of another country right on the front line of that fight today, the brave people of Ukraine. The United Kingdom has given their military support worth £2.3 billion since the start of Putin's invasion, the second highest contribution in the world after the United States, which demonstrates that our commitment to democracy and open societies remains steadfast. Mm. In that context, the Prime Minister and I but both yeah, recognise the need to increase defence spending. You know, when this war's over, but before we make that commitment, it's necessary to revise and update an integrated review, in this, written so. as it was before the yeah. Ukraine invasion. I think, you know, and I've asked very, for that vital work to no, be completed ahead just, of the next no, budget. And today confirm we will continue to maintain the defence budget at least 2% yeah, of GDP to be consistent with our NATO commitments. But, you know, look, I think Another important just international commitment is overseas now. aid. From a property the OBR's forecasts show a significant shock You've got the capital gains, so if you're looking to so sell, it won't be possible to return to the 0.7% target until the fiscal situation allows. 
we the remain tax-free fully threshold committed to the higher end, target. Uh, you know, above and the, the plans uh, that I've set out today assume that ODA spending mark, will remain around 0.5% for the forecast so period. As a percentage of GNI, um, we were the third that, highest that, donor in the G7 that, last year, and I am proud of our aid commitment to save thousands of lives around the world. What I'm disappointed I look forward to working closely with my right honourable friend, Member for Sutton Coalfield, now rightly back in his place in Cabinet. So to I make sure we continue to play a leadership role in tackling global poverty. Um, the United Kingdom has also been a global leader on climate change, and getting in cutting there and getting emissions new by more than any other build, G20 country. We kick the market off new but with the existential vulnerability we face, now would be the wrong time and then to step back through the economy. our international so climate responsibilities. So I also confirm that despite the economic pressures, we remain fully committed to the historic Glasgow Climate Pact Agreed on COP26, including a 68% reduction of our own emissions by 2030. I turn to education. Mr Speaker, being pro-education is being pro-growth. But providing our children with a good education is not just an economic mission, it's a moral mission. One to which my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, has always been deeply committed. Thanks to the efforts of successive Conservative uh, education secretaries, particularly yeah. my right honourable friends from Surrey Heath and from Bognor Regis, we have risen nine places in the global league tables for maths and reading in the last seven years. I still, however, have concerns that not all school leavers get the skills they need for a modern so I economy. Think the US, the UK, but for the first time ever, this G7 country has a conservative education secretary who left session. school at 16 yeah. to become um, an apprentice studies. and so knows firsthand why good skills matter. Yeah. There are many important initiatives in place, but as Chancellor, I want to know the answer to one simple question. Will every young person leave the education system with the skills they would get in Japan, Germany, or Switzerland. So I have appointed, so I've appointed Sir Michael Barber to advise me and my right honourable friend, the Education Secretary, on the implementation of our skills reform programme. As we raise the skill levels of our school leaders, I want also to ensure that even in an economic crisis, the improvement um, in school standards continues really to accelerate. Some have suggested putting VAT on independent school out of school right now as a way of increasing um, core funding for schools, which would raise about £1.7 billion. Pounds. Um, and but according to certain using, estimates, um, that would result or, in up to 90,000 children in the independent sector switching to state schools, giving with one hand only to take away with another. So, instead of being ideological, I I'm going to be practical. This, this because we want school standards to continue to rise for every single child, and I think we're going to do more than protect the school's budget, we're going uh, to increase uh, it. You know, we'll and I can announce okay. today that next so year and the year after, we will invest an extra £2.3 billion in our schools. 
our message right. to heads yeah, and teachers and classroom assistants sort of things, is yeah, thank you for your brilliant really work. We need it to continue. And in yeah. difficult economic circumstances, so, a know, Conservative look, government is investing more in the public service that defines all our futures. It's a good autumn statement for property investors. The service we depend on more than any other um, is the NHS. Capital gains is probably the As a former health secretary, I know that, how hard people are working on the front line guys, and how much they're struggling yeah, after the pandemic. To, um, him for the, rest of it. the biggest issues are workforce shortages I really don't see, and pressures um, in the social care so today I address still there. This a budget like this is not on staff shortages. There's still a lot of things. The former chair of the this health and social care now, we've got a lot of tech companies put forward a case for a long-term workforce plan. And, and exactly. She even wrote a book about it, which I've read. Those people have to go and find jobs. I've, I've listened carefully to his proposals. I believe they have merits. So the Department of Health and Social Care and the NHS will publish an independently verified plan for the number of doctors other getting out of the recession. We'll need in five, to have, ten, say, hey, we're just hiring years people, time, right. taking full but account of the need for better retention and productivity improvement. And creating profit opportunity for you. I've also listened to extensive representations need to get to that about the level. challenges facing the social care sector. To get out of recession, it did you know, a really heroic job get the boom at the other end. Children, disabled adults, once and older people during the pandemic, we had the next boom. So in it's some ways, as much as it's sitting there going, oh, employees terrible, work uh, incredibly you know, hard. Actually, what happens but even outside the pandemic, increasing number of over 80s and wages, massive pressure okay. on their Then service. we get inflation in check, the wages stay up. I also have very real House concerns from local authorities, down, drop maybe a little bit, whatever. Then they're free to, to drive up again because the affordability is back in check. And when that affordability so comes delay back, the implementation and then banks who have restricted lending now, years, all of a sudden open it up, now we're sitting there provide more care and, you know, the whole market goes boom. I also want and the social so care system if you're sitting there wondering whether you should hold your property and you should sell it, hospital beds well, if you can hold it through this next 18 months, so I've decided yeah, to allocate for adult news. social care you know? additional yeah, look, it might be 12 months. You know, it could be a V or be careful of this because inflation is still high. We're still going to get it in check. Combined with savings from the delays, still not reformed, and more council tax flexibility. This is where we talk about inflation. An increase okay. in funding kill off all available the demand, for the social care sector up to £2.8 billion pounds next down, year and £4.7 billion pounds the year after. That's um, a big increase. Economic growth but how we look after you know, our most vulnerable enough. citizens is not just a practical is, issue. It speaks to I our don't values think we're there as a society. I hope we're not, so and I hope today's decision in government now will allow the social care system to deliver an estimated 200,000 more care packages over the next two years, the biggest increase in funding under any government have, of any um, colour in history. Um, during this time, yeah. You know? And the sooner the we get that happening, has been increased okay, to record then levels. The sooner we come out with the, the other pandemic. side, all right. And today but obviously, I'm the problem is right now is if you've got inflation and you stimulate, you get more inflation. So effectively, what we are saying is. Let's Scandinavian quality alongside Singaporean efficiency. Both better out. outcomes for citizens and better value for taxpayers. Well, that I just said Singapore. That does not mean asking people on the front line, often exhausted and burned out, to work harder, which would not be possible or fair. But it does mean asking challenging questions about how to reform all our public services for the better. So, with respect 
to the NHS, I've asked former Health Secretary and Chair of the Norfolk and Waveney Integrated Care System, Patricia Hewitt, to help me and the Health Secretary achieve that by advising us on how to make sure the new integrated care boards, the local NHS bodies, operate operate efficiently and with appropriate autonomy and accountability. I've also had discussions with NHS England about the inflationary pressures on their budget. I recognise that efficiency savings alone will not be enough to deliver the services we all need. So because of difficult decisions taken elsewhere today, I will increase the NHS budget in each of the next two years by £3.3 billion. Chief Executive of the NHS, Amanda Pritchard, has said that this should provide sufficient funding for the NHS to fulfil its key priorities. She said it shows the Government is serious about its commitment to prioritise our NHS. £3.3 billion for the NHS, £4.7 billion for social care, a record £8 billion so for our health and care system. That is a Conservative government putting the NHS first. This is actually scary. Yeah. Yeah. And if we have a look here, uh, Mr. Speaker, healthcare, you can see the NHS has driven. and schools yeah, in Scotland, office, the NHS and schools in Scotland, Wales drops. and Northern Ireland face equivalent pressures. You know, HMRC, so the Barnet consequentials drops, of today's decisions mean an extra right, £1.5 billion pounds for the Scottish yeah. Government, £1.2 billion pounds for the Welsh Government, £650 million pounds for the Northern Ireland Executive. That is more resources for the schools and hospitals in our devolved nations next year, the year after, and every year thereafter. So really, it's only Home Office and Health and Social Care that has risen public services means that despite needing to find £55 billion in savings and tax rises, we are protecting the amount going into public services in real terms over the five-year period. But if we're going to sustain our public services, and avoid a doom of ever higher taxes and ever lower dynamism. We need now. economic growth. <laughs> so I now turn, I now turn, well, they've never been interested in growth, but we on this side of the house are. They have the most rowdy. I want to get to the end of the budget statement like the rest of the people of this country. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Speaker. So let's start with a difficult message for the party opposite. You cannot borrow your way to growth. Sound, sound money. So I've just been told I need to be a little bit louder. Sound money is the rock upon which long-term prosperity rests. Hopefully that's uh, sorted But it isn't now. enough on its own. Our plan is designed to build a yeah. high-wage, high high-skill economy that leads to long-term prosperity. I do love these sort of keywords, buzzwords, and that sort of stuff. I don't find that they really work very well. You know? Because I, you know, there's plenty of buzzwords, but then what happens is when you follow up and see what they actually achieved, yeah, that's where the disappointment comes. 
infrastructure yeah. and innovation. Yeah. Cheap, low-carbon, reliable energy must sit at the heart of any Let's modern see how they do this. But Putin's this weaponization of international gas prices has helped drive the cost of our national energy consumption right up. This year, we'll be spending an extra £150 billion on energy mm. compared to pre-pandemic levels, equivalent to paying for an entire second NHS through our energy bills. Imagine if they didn't uh, have to pull that profit into uh, so French company and uh, own all that energy. Both bankrupt our economy and harm our planet. Over the long term, there's only one way to stop ourselves being at the mercy of international gas prices. Energy independence combined with energy efficiency. Yeah, energy okay. independence, so neither Putin nor anyone else can use energy to blackmail us, and energy efficiency to reduce demand and climate impact as much as possible. So this is where EPCs are coming into their own to some degree. Most people don't really know what that EPC, Energy Performance Certificate, means. But, to be fair, it does mean that you're getting more efficient things. And this is where new build property is actually starting to perform well. And even some of the funders, as we talked about last night on the live stream, um, are giving discounts or higher loan to values. So if you didn't hear, yes, UK is in session they just announced it before this will deliver new jobs industry, uh, which we kind of knew that anyway we had a quarter already with the second quarter which will end you know but we can already see that so today i can announce i'm being told my mic is a bit low with a new nuclear power plant at sizewell hopefully that's fixed now guys you just want to write in and tell me if you can hear me Will be signed with I've got, um, I love my watch EDM coming out and the messages the guys are going, can't hear me very well. But hopefully you can now, hopefully that's better. But yeah. But look, I mean, we're just, I'm just talking now for the sake of it, because most of the stuff for property investors is gone now. Um, it's a pretty boring statement to be fair. I, I thought there would be a little bit more cut, um, but I think actually now, the reality is, is that it's not too bad. I've been told that it's all good now, which is great. Um, so yeah, I, you know, look, just a summary for you guys that have just joined. Um, you know, the really, we've got the threshold for tax. If you're earning 150 before, now the 45% starts at 125, 140. Um, so 125,140 pounds, um, you'll go to the 45% above that. Not a big, huge difference. Um, it's not going to make that much of a difference for someone earning that. Um, you've got the tax-free allowance, which is coming down. You've got the ca capital gains tax, which is also the, the tax or the the, the um, tax-free allowance is coming down over the next. So it'll be twelve thousand three hundred. Halve that to six thousand, or a little bit more, and then three thousand a year after that. So now that has that has a reasonable effect because remember you're going to be at probably forty-five percent or forty percent. Um, depending on where you're at, will be your capital gains on that. Um, so yeah, so that that can make a big difference. You know, if you're paying an extra, what, an extra say six grand, forty percent six grand, you know, or forty percent of nine grand, yeah, makes a difference. Yeah. Um, but look, guys, you know, apart from that, I think 
The key here, and the good positive news right now is rents are being driven up, okay? So we're driving rents up. I know it's terrible for tenants, um, and really what that's going to mean is if your income is fixed, you're gonna to have to move, either put a bigger portion into your rent, or move to a lower quality, a further out area, a smaller property, uh, whatever, that's just the reality, you know. That's not about landlords being the assholes, that's not about profiteering, that is the reality of the situation. Because let's face it, landlords who are also on a fixed income, unless you're getting more rent, with the increases, you're going to be stuffed, you know. So somehow, you know, you can't, you know, you got to find some money from somewhere, and um, rents are, rents are up because obviously inflation, you know. I mean, every year things like insurance are going up, all that sort of stuff. So we're going to be really, you know, on top of that. Um, but not cutting a penny from our capital budgets in the next two years and maintaining them at that level. So they're spending on stuff on capital, which capital works is important. When we talk about stimulating the economy and going into new build, one of the key things to do is spend money on capital projects. That's the time to fix roads in a recession because that keeps the wheels turning. That keeps money getting into the economy and circulating through, which is really important. Okay? So that's important. What else has he got to say? I'm just looking down the bottom here. Normally we get the um, this updated. But for whatever reason, it's not. Alongside Sizewell C, we will deliver the core Northern Powerhouse Rail, yeah. HS2 to Manchester, and East-West <laughs> Rail, and the new hospitals program, and gigabit broadband rollout. All these... So, this is pretty good. I mean, high-speed rail, blowing out massively, you know, but that's what you expect, and unfortunately... It shouldn't be that way, but that happens every capital expenditure. But the hospitals, the, all this stuff, great. But hospitals are no good if you don't have the nurses and doctors in there. You know, schools are no good if you don't have the teachers. You know, and let's face it, with a lot of the other things going on, the woke culture, you know, the, all those sort of things, um, it's driving people out, you know, of those industries. So, you know, let's see how that, they deal with that. It's all great to have a new hospital, but you've got no one to work there. Yeah. So, to unlock growth right across the country, we need to make it easier for local leaders to make things happen with I agree. I think local localization is a good thing for certain things. But you know what? Things like selective licenses is a freaking ridiculousness. You know, I mean, some of you know, sometimes regulation gets taken too far and taken the wrong way. But yeah. So guys, look, we're at the tail end of this now. I don't know how long he's going to put it out. There's really nothing that's coming out about property right now that I can see, um, you know, on any of the feeds. And I, I guess to be fair, as a property investor, just to sort of summarize, um, because let's face it, I don't want to take any more of your time. I actually think that it's been a pretty dull and boring. I mean, yes, if you're selling a property, you're going to pay more capital gains tax. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I think overall, yeah, okay. My, this is one of my challenges, and I sort of mentioned, alluded to this before, but this is one of the things my gut feel is, is they've been talking about this 52, 55 billion pound hole 
innovation. I wonder if it is a real hole or whether it's been whipped up into a storm because they can and now they're coming in to resolve it. You know, it's almost like, you know, let's create a shitstorm and then let's fix it, even though there was no shitstorm there. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing where I wonder how much of this gap is real, you know. Because let's face it, we weren't talking about this before. Liz Truss wasn't talking about this. Nobody was talking about it. Liz Truss, I think she was the sheep that got landed, uh, you know, led to the slaughter. I think actually she went with her lobbyist mates and quasi went there too. They said, let's do this. Those guys set them up. They walked in hook, line and sinker, you know, and basically they made, I imagine, billions shorting the pound, shorting the market, shorting that, you know. And then what do they do? Then they said, you know, pointed the finger at them. They're, you know, they're to blame, they're to blame, they're to blame. And then what did they do? They installed their billionaire mate in um, Rishi. You know, I mean, let's see. You know, let's see what happens in the next two years, three years. What is it, three years until the election? You know, so. Yeah, cheers. So, Skaz. Skaz. I, think, you know, I don't know how to pronounce your name, but yeah, welcome back again. <laughs> but look, I, I think, you know, so far it's pretty boring for property investors. The one good thing I think about this is that um, we're not talking about a depression. We're not talking about a four-year recession. Nobody's talking about double dipping now. Most countries and most people are talking about that they can get it under control. And I think the key here is that as long as they don't let inflation go on for too long, go too high, that they need to raise so high that it just kills off all demand, then we could be in a totally different situation. And that could change, you know, relatively quickly. At this stage, I'm not seeing that. Yes, our inflation is going up, but this is the thing. If you look at the US inflation, the US inflation has actually decreased now, has started to come down. So the pressure on their interest rates has come down. And that's not because they're doing better than us. That's because they've gone into summer, whereas we've gone into winter. So now, because the energy has gone up so much, that's what's causing a lot of inflation. Well, what happens in March next year? Well, okay, could be April, could be May, could be June, you know, when it starts to get warmer, but we're talking, you know, let's, get, let's talk spring. You know, so April next year, when it starts to get warmer, significantly warmer, then we start turning our heaters off, well, then you're going to see, I think, inflation come down. So as much as they predicted inflation to drop quite dramatically, in June, I think we may actually see it more in probably April. So interest rates wise, we potentially will see more increases through to March, maybe February. Well, it all depends on how much we go out and spend for Christmas, um, you know, how much we spend. So let's see how we go. But I think this is, um, it's a recession, you know, so a recession is never good. I think the key here is to look at your own self and look and see whether um, you can afford to lose your job. You know, we, we talk about these, we talk about um, running scenarios, and one of the scenarios we talk about is what happens if you lose your job? Yeah? What happens if you lose your job, but you can't get another job for three months, and when you do get the, the next job, it's at 70% of what you're earning? Can you survive? And if you can survive, that's a really what I call realistic worst case. And I think when you play realistic worst case, with these sort of things, it gives you the confidence 
that even if you lose your job, you're okay. Yeah? So that's one of the things. The other thing is, what happens if house price, I mean, the worst prediction that I've seen is house prices dropping 30%. The reality is most experts now are talking five to 10. And in fact, that's in areas that really aren't the best fundamentals. You know, five is probably London, you know. So, and I think we'll see London boom. So, you know, so I think the reality is if you can see that even if house prices drop, if you can hold it, yeah, then you're fine. And, and you know, we talk about mortgage cost averaging at 6%. If you mortgage cost average, in other words, you act as if your mortgage is 6% throughout the whole level of ownership. So some of the times you're gonna be less than that, some of the times it's gonna be more than that. When it's more, sorry, when it's less, you put some money away. When it's more, you use the money that you've put away as a provision, then actually you don't have to worry about things like that. Now, if you've got a great income, you know, your job's secure, you're in a market that's actually doing really well, then fantastic. You probably don't need to worry about that as much. But, you know, we've had interest rates very low for a while. And I think the key here is to actually, if you haven't done it already, you know, I've been saying this for weeks now. In fact, I've been saying this for months. You know, sit down, get your numbers right, do a portfolio review, and just make sure you can survive through the worst of it. And I think the worst of it is going to be between now and probably, you know, that March, April time, time before things will start to settle down. So that may mean people losing their jobs, you know, so you may be made redundant. That may mean that interest rates are going to go up. That may mean that your cost of obviously eating and that sort of stuff is going to go up. So play with those numbers now. Don't be an emu, stick your head in the sand, right? Because the problem with sticking your head in the sand is that you end up getting a kick up the ass, yeah? So just don't do it. Work your numbers now, know your numbers, and if the numbers don't work now or what you're predicting, then make some decisions now, make some changes now. If you have to sell and you have to jettison off some of your portfolio or you've got to do something, then you've just got to do that. Yeah, you've got to make that decision. The sooner you make it, yeah, the better it is. The other thing is you can sit there and stress and worrying about what might happen or you can do the numbers and see what's actually or what could happen and have the numbers in front of you. You can manage, you can, what what you measure, you can manage, what you manage, you measure, measure, measure. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't manage what you haven't measured, all right? So get there and measure it, work out where you're at, and that way you can come up with strategies and measure it. And of course, if you need help with that, then send us an email, you know, support at gladfish.com. And, you know, we're more than happy to talk you through options and, you know, scenarios and those sort of things, yeah? You know, I think there's actually a blog article that I've got which actually calculates this stuff. You know, it's a downloadable spreadsheet. You put your figures in and you work out where you're at. Or we've got the two-year cash flow worksheet. You can work out all your numbers and see where you're at. You can also, you know, increase the interest rates and see what they'll be. All sorts of things like that. You know, these tools are out there, so use them to give you certainty. Yeah. Today I can announce that this government will cap the increase in social rents to a maximum of seven. Yeah, so he's still talking stuff that I don't think he has anything to do with this. I mean, if I've missed a few things while I've been talking, then fine, I'll you know pick them up later. But to be fair, the big stuff is always at the start. You know, um, this government. You know, I mean, really, this is the kind of sales pitch. They cared about the most vulnerable. But um, look. It's austerity to a degree. It doesn't sound, and this is what why I say I don't think the 55 billion buck gap is actually a pound gap. 
is a reality, I think, is a shitstorm they created so they can resolve it, so they look good. And the reason I think that is because a lot of these things they're talking about, for me, it's not really, doesn't, it doesn't feel like austerity, not like it was 10, 10, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, you know, when it was kind of like, oh, this is austerity. They're cutting and cutting deep, you know, and there's no... You know, there's no end date for that. You know, and we had it for 10 years. And then not only that, then we bloody went into uh, Brexit. Then we had tax changes. Then we had the uh, COVID, you know. And then, you know, in between all there, we had five different prime ministers. Five, four different prime ministers. I know, I've lost count. We've had 12 different housing ministers. Just how can you get anything done right if you can't keep, you know, a person in a position. So, but look, guys, I think that's pretty much it. Um, there's no new news coming out. It's all pretty much the same. Um, so actually, you know, if anything, this uh, autumn statement, uh, property investors, we dodged a, a bullet, you know. It's only really if you're selling, you're going to be affected hugely. Or if you're earning, you know, over that 125000 mark, you know, you're going to pay more. And really, it's, it's the 150 mark people, because if you're only 125, you're still saying, um, yeah. So that's quite good, you know. Um, yeah, okay. Look, guys, I think I can keep talking all night, which I often do, but um, I think I'm going to cut it there just because we've been going for a few minutes, and I think actually it's probably time to end it. Um, yeah, so I think thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good outcome for property investors. Nothing really too bad there. Um, if anything, it's good news with their predictions about the recession that we are in already. Okay, so it's so you might as well say it's official now, even though really it probably needs to be the end of the quarter before it's official. Um, but you know, acknowledging now, I think is the right thing to do. The sooner you acknowledge the issue, the sooner you can address it. I think. This does address it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll um, you know, we'll track it and see how things plan out. But actually, I'm feeling a lot better actually, because there's always, you know, and, and in my position where I'm talking about economics and politics and all that sort of stuff, it's very easy to um, become really negative, become really positive, or even sometimes you're sitting there going, I think this is what's going to happen, but this could also happen, and this could also happen. You know, it could be really, really bad or it could be really, really good. And I think, to be fair, you know, um, I was in two thoughts. I've turned him off anyway. Um, I was in two minds. One mind was um, this could be really bad, you know, and, you know, if this is really bad, this could be, you know, horrible. Um, or it could be, you know, okay, not much difference. I didn't think it was going to be fantastic for us. I didn't think that for a second. But actually, to be fair... What's come out of this is that, yeah, it's actually been on the better side of it than the worst, you know, certainly not the bad side. So I'm feeling pretty good now. And I think as property investors, we've dodged a bullet. Um, and I think, to be fair, things were looking pretty good. And I think our property values uh, in good areas with good fundamentals are going to be quite good. And when I say quite good, they're not going to drop off too much. I think if you're in shitty areas over time, they're not going to change. They're still shitty areas and they're going to be shitty areas and the fundamentals, the in, the investment, the regeneration, the, none of that's going to be there, you know. 
So if you, you invest in those areas, you're probably going to get the capital growth. Uh, sorry, the the income, but you're not going to get the capital growth anymore. You know, I mean, I remember when we first I first started property for my first twenty years in property. It was property doubles every seven to ten years. It's the biggest assumption, but it was an assumption that everybody talked about. Um, that isn't the case anymore. You know, and I don't believe that anymore at all, ever. You know, and I think the reason I don't is because yes, it applies in certain areas like London. Yeah, Manchester, Birmingham, and some of these areas that are getting huge amounts of investment, but a lot of other areas, you know, are crap. And they're just going to be, you know, into the ground, if you like. Yeah, they'll still exist, but with aging population and all those sort of demographics and that, yeah. So it looks like, oh, he's getting a big pat on the back there. Don't know what that's the about. The Prime Minister and his colleague in the Treasury. Uh, it's now time to hear Rachel Rees for Labour, the Shadow Chancellor. For that statement. So here we are, the end of 2022. Three prime ministers, four chancellors, and four budgets later. <laughs> and where do we find ourselves? In a worse place than we started the year. Yeah. Inflation spiralling, growth plunging, living standards falling. Mr. Speaker, Britain is a great country with fantastic strengths. I know what. Because of this government's mistakes, we are being held back. What people will be asking themselves. I agree with this, guys. I think we are being held back by this government. But I don't think Labour would have done any better. I think there's a there's a fundamental problem with the system. And, and I think for me, you know, that's the real issue here is it's not about Labour or Conservatives. It's not about, you know, whatever. There's a fundamental problem with the system, and that is the system no longer democracy, as we all grew up believing in, no longer exists. What there is is a ruling elite. They're not interested in the people, really. They're interested in staying in power, um, you know. And, yeah, look, maybe after you know, 20, 30 years of, what is it now, 30 years of doing economics and um I've just become jilted with it. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, that's just the way it is. And maybe I'm seeing, look, I think there's so many fantastic things happening in life, you know, but when you look at politics, that's not one of them, you know. So, look, yeah, I was going to listen to her, but uh, to be fair, utterly uninspiring and inconsequential, you know. So I think they're just going to respond and be negative and, you know, shout and jeer and that sort of thing. So, but anyway, guys, uh, yeah. I know I should give equal Labor and Liberal, uh, Labor and Conservatives, but you know what? No, can't be bothered. I've got better things to do. Um, I'm going to go get some, uh, go grab a coffee and uh, get back to work. But um, yeah, guys, so thanks for joining us. And um, we'll see you again on the next. Uh, yeah, so actually, if you want to join the, the live stream every Wednesday, 1230, uh, on my, across my YouTube channels, Facebooks, and all the social media, or you can just go to gladfish forward slash dashboard. Um, you will have to be signed in though to, to get the live stream and we have some other other stuff that I add on there too. Um, so that's probably the best place to look at it. All right, guys, thank you very much and we'll see you next week. Bye.